1: Time now for the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. On
0: today's program, a very special guest joining us. In fact, a guest that is a very familiar voice to listeners of this radio station. You undoubtedly, hopefully, and if not yet, we intend to introduce you to uh, an incredible Bible teacher, um, a gentleman that is probably one of the leading Christian apologist, not just in the San Francisco Bay Area, but in America today. He is Dr. Jerry Buckner, Senior Pastor of Tiburon Christian Fellowship. And of course, he hosts Contending for the Faith, heard each Saturday evening at 7 o'clock on KFAX for many, many years. And Dr. Buckner, wonderful to have you on the program.
2: Brother Craig, is always a blessing to uh, fellowship with you and to be interviewed, and I look forward to uh, what God is going to do today.
0: Let's talk a bit about what God is doing today in the broader sense, and that I think is a good launching point for our dialogue today. It, one thought that maybe to kind of set the setting, so to speak, for our conversation, I'd like to get your your thoughts on what seems to be um in, kind of a steady parade of articles that even appear in secular publications. I'm thinking of the New York Times, the Atlantic, the Post, and others that have talked about what seems to be a consistent exodus from mainline Christianity, evangelical Christianity even, um, in, in relationship to millennials and Gen Xers that just don't seem to quite share the faith of their fathers the way our generation, the baby boomers, did with the great generation before us. Why do you think we're seeing this paradigm shift, Dr. Buckner, with a decreasing number of people across the country that have kind of said, yeah, I'm okay with God, but going to that church, I'm not so sure about that.
2: Yeah, that's a very good question, Brother Craig, and I think a lot of it has to do with the lack of people being uh, discipled. We've gotten away from discipleship in a lot of our churches. And uh, when you think about the Bay Area, there's so much going on that's influencing the Bay Area. postmodernism, liberalism, wokeism. We have so many things going on today that's influencing uh, not only our culture, but the churches as well and uh, when we get away from sound doctrine and we get away from essential doctrines what happens is it opens up pandora's box for uh, us to get really away from the basic fundamentals of the christian faith so uh, i think also you have to add to that people getting hurt and uh, people uh, going to churches and some churches not demonstrating the three l's you know We're talking about love. Uh, We're talking about seeing love in their life and on their lips. And uh, I can relate to all of that because we started our ministry, the uh, Timberon Christian Fellowship, by being a house ministry. And uh, when we moved to the Bay Area back in the 70s, we loved the Lord. We were faithful to him. We came from Bakersfield, California. My wife and I were in an interracial marriage. And when we moved to the Bay Area, we had been brought up in uh, the black church. And so we were a member of a church in San Francisco back in the 70s, you know. And um, my wife started a daycare program. And what happened was uh, some of the women in that church told my wife, because she's white and I'm black, and told her that, uh, you know what, Uh, we're sick and tired of you taking away our black men, and my wife was very hurt by that, and I was hurt, and we went to the pastor, and we shared that with the pastor, uh, and he was a good pastor, and he confronted them and dealt with them, but it still didn't take away the hurt and the pain there, and uh, we went to another church uh, in San Francisco, and people wouldn't speak to us, and I'm not saying all churches are that are that way, but you know, back in the 70s, things were a lot different than now. In San Francisco, so uh, we ended up saying the Lord led us to starting a house ministry in our home, and uh, we said, you know, I've been licensed, I've been ordained, and let's see what uh, God is going to do from here. And He ended up blessing us with the house ministry in Tiburon, where I live. And the Lord blessed that. And then we were able to move from there to a community room in Larkspur. But we kept the name Timberland Christian Fellowship. But there's a multitude of things that affects people. You know, we got a generation of young people that's so much into technology. They're more into technology than the Trinity. They're more into postmodernism. They're more into wokeism. There's so many things that are influencing our young people and adults as well. But when churches get away from sound doctrine, you know Paul talked about in Second uh, Timothy four. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heed to themselves teachers who will tickle their ears, and the truth of God shall be made into fables. But the Greek word is mythology. So when we don't teach sound doctrine and leaders get away from that, because we we look at the issues around what's happening in our culture and why people, young people and adults don't have an interest in the churches and that. Well, we have to, first of all, deal with the failure of the churches and the leaders. When they fail to teach the people, what happens is it opens up Pandora's box for all the evil in the world to happen because the fault lies with the church, not the culture. So when the church changes, then the culture changes. And we got to get back to the basic fundamentals, the essentials and discipleship and evangelism, and doing the basic things that God called us to do, and we'll start to see things start to change and happen, and we might even see a revival if we get to the place where we repent.
0: Is it a fair assessment in your opinion, Dr. Buckner, that you know we know certainly from scripture, the enemy's approach. Since the Garden of Eden, essentially, has been that notion of dividing and conquering. If he can drive a wedge between God and the creation or between we um, as the creation from each other, he can certainly drive that wedge, divide, and ultimately conquer. But I wonder if, to a degree, would you think it's a fair assessment that he's sort of updated his playbook, in a sense, in recent years? You kind of, um, around the periphery, made reference to social media and what's going on today with technology and things of that sort. And I'm wondering if the updated playbook by the enemy is not just to divide and conquer, but to also distract and conquer. And that certainly seems to be Sort of the watchword within not just society in general, but the church today that it's all about the show and the, the lights and the fancy performances and the entertainment value of a Sunday morning church experience and less about the true meat of the word. And if the enemy can keep our attention, focused in everywhere else but on the Word and on the Savior, then I would suspect that the approach of distracting and conquering might might ultimately be as successful in his playbook as dividing and conquer. Do you think there's, there's an element of truth to that?
2: Oh, a tremendous element of truth to that, uh, because the enemy, he doesn't want us to be Christ-like in what we do and how we do it. So he's come to steal, kill, and destroy and to conquer and divide. And so we have to get to the place in our life where we uh, become discerning of that and, and, and that we understand spiritual warfare in the face of all of this because the one thing that the enemy does not want us to do, and this is the number one thing that... Satan attacks is the Omago Day, the image and likeness of Christ. So he wants us to be like everything else in our world today, but not be reflectors of Christ. And that's the number one thing that he attacked in the Garden of Eden, and uh, he's still doing that today. So um, my prayer and our prayer is that we get to that place. You know, one of the things that we do in our ministry is that we uh, try to emulate and uh, meditate and, and be an example of the early church. The early church was a family. And the early church was committed to uh, ministering to the whole person. And that was spiritual, mental, physical, financial, as well as uh, feeding people. And we are a family. We're not a large church, but we are a church that is reflecting uh, the early church. And what happens a lot of times with large churches. I'm not saying all of them, but what happens is that we operate like a CEO and we operate like a board and people get bored of boards. And uh, I think was Jay Brennan McGee one time said, when the devil was kicked out of heaven, he said he landed in the midst of a business meeting. And sometimes what happens is we can operate just like the world, and people are looking for something different from the world they're looking for a church like the first century church that's demonstrating christ-like love They are a family people are looking for a family and one of the things that happened with me and my my family i'm going to share a story with you uh is that when we had went through that experience with my wife and what she went through with these women of the this black church that uh, I had to do a paper. I'm a professor at Gateway Seminary in uh, Fremont. And uh, before that, I was a a student at Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary. They changed now the name to Gateway Seminary in in, uh, Fremont now, but they used to be in Mill Valley. And one of my professors told me, he said uh, he wanted me to do a paper on the cults and you can pick a paper to do it on. I picked it on the Jehovah's Witnesses because I've been a cult expert for 51 years. So I decided to do it on the Jehovah's Witnesses. And they said, one of the things that you have to do is go to the Kingdom Hall and experience their worship and everything. We went there and uh, we were impressed, not so much with the teachings, but we were impressed and touched by the fact that people showed love. It was a mixed setting. It was so much love and we saw interracial couples. And if it had not been Craig for Dr. Walter Martin, who was my mentor and teacher, if it had not been for him who taught me apologetics and, and the essentials of the historic Christian, faith, my wife and I would have joined. See, because people are not, uh, they join cults and false religions because they're looking for a sense of identity. They're looking for a sense of belonging. And if the churches don't bring that, and they go into the churches, they see people being cold, uh, they see the people not being personable, they see people operating like a business rather than a church family. The early church was a church family. And we can get more into denominationalism than being Christian and Christ-like. So uh, this is what we try to offer. We try to offer in a a Tipper Christian Fellowship a family, a Christian family, like the early church. We try to show a lot of love. And we try to help people develop a sense of identity and belonging in Christ, because if they don't find that in the church, they're going to go somewhere else. And a lot of people are disenchanted, frustrated, and even angry with going to churches that we were talking about earlier, because there's a multitude of issues that turn people off. And uh, I would rather be in a really small church that's showing love and being personable and teaching sound doctrine than to be in a large church that's involved with entertainment, involved with tickling people's ears, and all of that stuff. And that's why we were driven to start this ministry, because we got sick and tired of being sick and tired of seeing uh, too much showboatism and uh, a lot of other things along that line.
0: Well, you know, we know that the, the enemy of our soul is a master of deceit, and if he can offer up the counterfeit, As a substitute. And if people aren't studying God's word, aren't testing the spirits to see if they be of God, it's very easy to get pulled into this false spirituality and be led astray. But there's something, too, that you mentioned that I think bears maybe a little bit deeper exploration. And I want to begin by saying uh, the intent is not to, to criticize huge churches. Thank God for what they do. I think, if anything, the one. Concern that I would voice would be in many of the mega churches in America today, um, it becomes a good place to hide. And by that I mean you can show up on Sunday, slip into the back, enjoy the music, enjoy the sermon, enjoy the service, slip back out. Nobody even knows that you were there. But I wonder if, in a real true sense, God is able to accomplish more in our lives. In a smaller church setting, simply because you can't run, you can't hide, and the ability to have true connected relationships is just highlighted within that smaller church experience.
2: Oh, absolutely, Brother Craig. And along with that is that sometime in very large churches, and like you said, we're not here to down all large churches because we know that some large churches are doing a fine job. But there are some concerns in some of the large churches, and the smaller church settings, I know for me as a pastor, it's uh, everybody in the church knows me. Sometimes in a large church, sometimes people don't ever get a chance to even meet the pastor. Uh, In a small church, we are accountable, so people are accountable to one another. We don't have to have a hundred different groups of Bible studies. We have one Bible study and everybody's involved with it. It's very unique. There's a lot of benefits. And one of the unique things about the Timberline Christian Fellowship is that we, uh, I'm committed to um, uh, developing uh, men and uh, helping these men in our church to become better godly fathers, godly husbands, godly leaders, and and just to see them grow and mature. And what I do is uh, many of them don't have fathers, and this is what happens in gangs, is that a lot of them don't have fathers in the home, especially in inner cities. And one of the number one problems in America, especially in urban cities, is the lack of uh, fathers in the home. So in the Timberland Christian Fellowship, uh, that's one of my big emphasis is to minister to the men in our church. And we go on a men's retreat once a year. And the joy of uh, doing that is when we come back and see men change to be better fathers, husbands and leaders and, and priests of their homes. And uh, that has been a real blessing and to see them take up the, the reins of being uh, a leader in our ministry and uh, leading. And so that's been one of the joy for me as a pastor. And then my wife, she's a nurse. So she um, does a lot of things with the the women. And she also, being a nurse, she deals with a lot of physical issues, minister to the people with, uh, you know, doing a little seminar things uh, with them, helping them to understand medical issues. And so our ministry is 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 dealing with the total person because i think the 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 problem with a lot of churches is that they don't have that uh large holistic thought of ministry where they're ministering to the mental physical uh spiritual psychological and we deal with people who are mentally uh got mental problems spiritual problem even we deal with people and helping to deliver people who have been demon possessed and oppressed and, and that's one of been the joys of me being a specialist in the area of, of, of uh, dealing with cults and false religions and stuff and so we, we we minister to people who are demon possessed people who are demon oppressed we deal with people who have mental problems we deal with we have people in our ministry who are veteran they got issues we counsel them homeless people uh, we minister to them, uh, get them into shelters. we do a multitude of things, and we model ourselves after uh Jesus, what he said in matthew twenty five I was hungry, fed me not thirsty, gave me no drink, sickened in prison, visited me not we We visit the jails uh, we try to visit the prisons when we can. We model ourselves after what Jesus said, and we're committed to evangelism and Evangelism with us is not where people say, well, we're going to do this once a a month or once a week. No, we model evangelism every day. And our Jerusalem is Marin County. And one of the biggest challenges in Marin County is that it is a new age and it is into spirituality. People will say, you'll say, uh, do you know Jesus Christ? Oh, uh, no, I'm into spirituality. So, what we try to do is help them to get from spirituality to becoming born again and having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ so that's kind of like what we do on a on a on a broad level, and we bring all that in and we try to minister to people but we we also teach them a lot about in our ministry about spiritual warfare because we realize that the enemy, as you were talking about earlier, the conquer and divide. We uh, defeat all of that by teaching them about spiritual warfare, because once they learn the principles of that, they're able to see the enemy trying to come in and conquer and divide, even in our own ministry. And they shut it down immediately because they got the full armor on of God and they're able to discern when the enemy is trying to uh, invade and to the territory of the Tim- Timurah Christian Fellowship.
0: Well, and see, this is what's so critical because what you're essentially talking about is the, the the teaching and application of the whole counsel of God, and 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 sadly, sometimes, and and I know that for for mega churches trying to sort of be all things to all people is is a challenge from the standpoint of if you head down a rabbit trail and it becomes a 16-week series on youth. Outreach or something of that sort, then there's so many others that are not being ministered to, and so looking at this from the standpoint of the 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 whole council of God, and teaching people what it means not to do church, which a lot of people are even eavesdropping on our conversation today, or, or probably pretty apt at, but rather what it means to be the church, and you know it it. It, it dawns on me, one of the things that you talked about a few moments ago, Dr. Buckner, is this notion of mentoring. And scripture is very clear. It It, it tells the older women to teach the younger women, the older men to teach the younger men that sometimes in the in the so-called mega-church experience, we're so used to, at some point in the morning service, pastor getting up and saying, okay, children's church has started, youth church has started, we have a group for those that are divorced. Everybody kind of separates out. And, and that sense of, of interconnectivity that we see modeled, again, in the early church kind of gets lost. And I would imagine with it, a degree of effectiveness. I mean, for me, I've always wondered, what is pastor going to say at the 11 o'clock service that a teenager couldn't or shouldn't be exposed to? The notion of send everybody off and do it all separately, as opposed to coming together as one family. It just seems to me from, from the historical modeling of the first century church, that idea of ship everybody to a different room uh, is just not an effective way to engage in discipleship, and it and it creates a disconnect. I think between the generations, where the ability to pass down that wisdom suddenly gets lost.
2: Oh yeah, brother Craig, you knocked a home run with that. Uh, we we lose the continuity and the uh, principles of what the early church was because my thing is to model. Uh, in this ministry, everything that the early church did, they were a family. They were personable. They knew each other. And uh, they connected with one another. They were accountable to one another. And uh, we we don't want to lose that because uh, even though we want to continue to grow, uh, we don't want to get ourselves to the place where We grow and lose that continuity and that personableness because that's what the early church was all about. And we're doing some very dynamic things, and everybody loves it. They they say, "Dr. Bright, I love it so much that I can call you on the phone and reach you personally as a pastor. I don't have to go to." uh the third fourth fifth pastor and be counseled i go to the number one pastor and because you've kept that personableness in this ministry and you're uh, reflecting what the early church was all about because uh you know jesus after all let's think about jesus uh uh you know there were large crowds uh surrounded him and uh they had different motives a lot of them came to jesus because they wanted to be fed others came because they wanted a miracle others came to jesus because they wanted to debate him and when you look at john chapter 6 it says that uh jesus uh started to give them uh like the peter and all of that and some of the people started saying they said uh these are very hard sayings because Jesus started to get really personable with them on discipleship and the cost of discipleship and the responsibilities of it. So a lot of them left Jesus and Jesus said to Peter, now, are you going to go also? And Peter said, Oh no, Oh no, I'm not going we're not going to do what the rest of them did. So what Jesus did, he narrowed everything down to uh, a committed few. It was 12 people that he dealt with and he, worked with, and he developed those men, and that's what we try to do here, too. We we model ourselves after Christ and what he did, and he didn't have a large group of people, because a lot of them, when he got down to the nitty-gritty, a lot of them said, I can't deal with this, I gotta go, because they, their motives were different, and sometimes in, in churches, we have that going on, too, today, and what we try to do is knock out all of the entertainment attitude and we try to knock out all the showmanship and people uh, uh, there have been people who have come to our ministry from churches all over the Bay Area and one lady came she's been with us for a little while now Uh, she said you know uh, I heard you on the radio and I was uh, at a church where they were uh, teaching everybody in the church was speaking in tongues and there was no interpreter she said And then I heard you on the radio, Dr. Buckner, and I said, my God, this is the church I want to be at because you sound like a very sound biblical teacher on continuing for the faith. But when I was at this church, everybody speaking in tongues, no interpreter. And she said, I got sick and tired of that. So she called me on the phone and said, you know what, uh, Dr. Buckner? I I want to come over and check your church out she came over she got connected with the family and she loved it and she said you teach sound doctrine you know I believe in all the perpetuity of spiritual gifts you know uh, I believe in every one of the spiritual gifts of grace but everything Paul said might need to be done decently in order and if we don't do that decently in order then uh, it's going to be a turnoff. So that's been another turnoff with a lot of people. They're tired of entertainment. They're tired of people uh, isogeating the scripture. They're sick and tired of people reflecting too much being like the world. And some people now are saying, I would rather be at home and uh, to serve God there. And when they come to the Timberland Christian Fellowship, we say, you know what? You don't even have to wear a suit. They said, you don't have to wear a suit and a dress and dress up. I said, if you choose to do that, then do it. But God looks in on the heart. He he's not he's not looking at uh, if you have to have a suit on to be right with God. Just the Bible says, "Come as you are." And so people love what we're doing. We're not a huge large church, but we're personable.
0: For folks that want to find out more, tell us a bit about where you meet, your service times, and what people will encounter and discover at Tiburon Christian Fellowship.
2: Well, we meet uh, every Sunday at 2.40, 2.40, Doherty, D-O-H-E-R-T-Y, uh, in Larkspur, California. And uh, we meet uh, for services uh, from 11.30 to about one thirty. And we pretty much compact a lot of stuff in that time that we're there. Uh, and uh, so when they come, they can look forward to a lot of love. That's going to be the number one thing uh, they, we put love above everything else. They could look forward to uh, discipleship. Uh, we are big time on that. Uh, the word Christian is mentioned three times in the Bible. And the word disciple is mentioned over 269 times. So we're faithful to that. And we're faithful to uh, living evangelism as a lifestyle every day of our lives. So, And then what they can look forward to when they become a part or come and visit us is that we have a follow-up ministry where uh, we call people and we uh, check in with them. Uh, We uh, do counseling with them because we have a unique counseling ministry that is unique here even though it's small it's unique because i'm a counselor my son ben uh got his master's in social work at cal state hayward we're so proud of him because he went to college Marin, got a double major in psychology went to sonoma state uh, got a double major there in psychology and then i got an msw at cal state hayward and He's a uh, professional counselor. So we, and then along with my wife, so they can look forward to when they come here any issues, any problems they have. If they've been involved with a cult, with, uh, we minister, they're involved with mental issues. My wife and my son and I, we deal with that. If they're dealing with demonism, uh, oppression, demonism, we deal with that. And in the name, in the power of Christ, we uh, you deal with that. We deal with uh, all sorts of things. So when they come here, the are homeless and they, um, people that are, uh, need food to eat. We, we're referral, we're resource, and we do all that stuff. So if they come to the Tipperary Christian Fellowship. We're going to meet their needs. Even though we are not a mega church, we are into meeting the needs because Christ told us to do that. And the early church, they were small and they did it. So, so can we because it's not about the quantity it's about the quality yeah. it's about the quality of doing what christ called us to do and we're obedient to that because i teach people christ needs to move beyond just being your savior to lord of your life and you got to live that lordship out that kingship out because the bottom line to it is we don't want to be standing before him and he says we fit in that category of many say lord lord didn't I do this and do that? And yet he professed, I never knew you. So we're going to do what he calls us to do. We're going to be committed, obedient to the Lord, and faithful to what he calls us to do.
0: And at the end of the day, it's not about doing church, it's about being the church. And that's the kind of experience that you'll feel at Tiburon Christian Fellowship. Dr. Buckner, what a delight to uh, spend some time with you here today, and we'll look forward to an opportunity to uh, doing it again real soon.
2: Thank you so much, Craig. Love you, brother. God bless you, and look forward to doing it again. The word Christian is mentioned three times in the Bible, and it means to be Christ-like. So when you accept Christ in your heart, you start to be like Him. You stop being like yourself, other than letting Him use you for His glory. And making a decision to become a Christian is the greatest decision you could ever make. Because we never know when our last day on the planet. Even when you go to bed at night, you never know if you're going to wake up. But it's by God's grace that all of us are here. So, so once you become a Christian, you know, and you accept Christ into your life. Because to become a Christian, you need to do the three R's. This is This is simplistic. And let me just kind of walk you through the three R's. Okay, so the first R in becoming a Christian. Now, you want to use this in sharing uh, God's truth with people at the theater. If, they, if, you, if you ask them, what you, do you know God's plan of salvation? Now, one thing you want to be careful about is that you never want to be preaching when you work at a job to other coworkers, because that's a way you can lose your job. Can amen. I get an amen on that? Amen. So you got to be wise. Amen. If somebody comes to you and says, I want to know about Jesus, it looks like you your life has changed and you, you're different. You say, hey, man, during my break time, can I get a witness? During my break time, let's chop it up. Let's chop it up for Jesus. Amen? amen. <laughs> so you, you amen. pull them to the side and you start talking to them about Jesus during your lunch break. But never on your job do you start getting into something. Because there's a lot of people hate God. A lot of people hate Jesus. So they'll try to make you lose your job by not being wise. Because God wants us to be wise Christians. You know, right? So every day of my life I pray for three things. Wisdom, knowledge, and discernment. That's what you should pray for too. Wisdom, knowledge, and discernment. So, so the three R's in bringing somebody to salvation... The first R is recognize your sinner. That's what you want to write down. The first R is that you want to recognize that you are a sinner, because Romans three and twenty three says, "For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God." Okay. Now there is what you call. Uh, some theologians have used the word the Roman the Roman road. What do they mean by? What do they mean by the Roman road? Let me tell you what they mean by the Roman road. The Roman road is using the book of Romans when it comes to salvation. So the book of Romans talks about Romans 3 and 23. All have sin and come short of the glory of God. Then another Roman road is Romans 6 and 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And a lot of people say, How do you get good at scriptural memorization, Dr. Buckner? How do you get so good at that? Because I don't have the ability that you have. And I tell people, it's not about your ability, it's about your availability. Bubble up. <laughs> Isn't that deep? It's not about your ability to do something, it's about your availability to constantly put yourself in the Bible and the Word of God. And the two M's is critical. Meditation, never forget this, meditation always leads to memorization. The more that you, the first M, the more that you meditate on God and his word, the the better you will get at scriptural memorization. Meditation leads to the second M, memorization. And it's not about your ability, but your availability. I gave a teaching one time, to uh, in and in a revival broke out. Uh, you know, uh, in the Bay Area, and it was on discipleship. I'll get into that in a little bit, but it was interesting that when I was teaching, I was teaching on discipleship, and people can look it up on the YouTube. And I kind of mentioned all these words that sound alike. Sensitivity leads to availability flexibility, teachability, reliability, accountability. People at the conference, they said, my God, this is some good stuff. God has really anointed you with wisdom and knowledge because it all starts with sensitivity. That's why all of you are here today in church. If, if If you don't start off with being sensitive to God speaking to you, you'll never get to the place where God wants you to be. Because God is going to speak to you and say, Read your Bible. So you've got to pick it up. You've got to pick it up. A chapter a day keeps the devil away. There you go. Amen? Amen? Say it with me. A chapter a, chapter a, a day, day keeps the, the devil away. away. Buckle up. Here's another one. A verse a day keeps the devil away. Say it with me. A verse a, verse a, a day, day, day keeps the devil, keeps the devil away. away. It doesn't have to always be a chapter. It could be one verse. All right. That's that's that, that that that's so important when you uh study. And I believe that if people get fed, notice how this rhymes. If people get fed, they will get out of bed. <laughs> Isn't that good? If people get fed, they'll get out of bed. So so it's 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 so important for us to understand the Roman road. To salvation. So what was the first scripture in Romans? Romans what? 3 and, twenty- three and 23. Three. For all have sinned and, and come, come short of the glory of, glory of God. God. This all is under the umbrella um, umbrella of recognize your sinner. The second one is what? Romans 6 and, and twenty-three. 23. For all have sinned, sinned and come short, short of the glory of, the glory of God. God. The third one is one. Now I want you to write this down because every Christian should have this memorized It's going to take time, but it's really critical. And I teach pastors and laypersons about memorizing Romans 10, 9 and 10. Every Christian should have that memorized. So if you sit down with your uh, sister, brother, cousin, nephew, uh, uncles, uh, friends, and they say, if somebody comes to you and say, I want to know Jesus. Can you tell me how to know Jesus? Well, I'm getting into the three R's. But so you take them in your Bible to Romans 10, 9 and 10, and it'll say, if thou shalt confess. This is one of the, the Roman road to salvation, this is one of the greatest passages on on the memorization of Scripture. Remember, meditation leads to memorization. I have it memorized. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thy heart, That God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. That's the Roman road. So you got three classic scriptures to the Roman road of salvation. Let's go over it again. You see, a professor is good at repeating things so that people can really get it in their membrane. So the first Roman road scripture is what? Romans
0: 3
2: and 23. And then, what's the second one? Romans 6 and 23. Romans 6 and 23. And what's the third? Romans 10, 9 through 10. Romans 10, 9 and 10. So those three, you want to get memorized and know it because this church could get filled up by you just leading somebody to Jesus Christ. You've got two young men right here in the front. I mean, in the middle. That I shared the Roman Road with, and I shared the three R's, and led them to the Lord at the Northgate Theater, and look at them here today. Let's give the Lord another hand on that. Amen. 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 But it was a fight. It was a fight. I still got to get Lucy next Sunday. I got to get your CD for you there. everything. I, I, I talked about the last time we had service. Um, the devil attacks. To distract. The, mo- the moment that you start getting close to God, that's when the devil really throws everything at you. He'll throw other people at you, staying up late. He'll, he'll throw parents. He'll throw friends. He'll throw the job. He'll throw everything at you. And you got to say, no, Jesus is number one. Because without the breath of life, I couldn't work the job. Without him blessing me, I couldn't be blessed. So everything comes from him, so he got to be number one. Why do I say that? Because Jesus said, Matthew 6.33, write that down. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and what? All these these things things will be be added added unto you. you. So Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So in my life, I'm seeking him first. I'm not going to put my job before him. I'm not going to put people before him. I'm not going to put my family before him because my family's not going to help me when I'm dead and gone. On the other side is only Jesus. I'm going to have to face him, and he's going to say, why did you put the job before me? Why did you put your family before me? Why did you put your parents before me? Why did you put money before me? Why did you put all those things before me? And what you're going to say, you're going to come up with all types of excuses, but it's not going to work. I have a saying for excuses. Excuses don't... Accuse, but they, they don't excuse, but they only accuse. Notice that. Yeah. Excuses excuse. don't what?
1: Excuse. Excuse,
2: but they, they only accuse. accuse. So, Roman road. Now, the three R's. First R, recognize that I'm a what? Sinner. Second R is repent. Repent. Now, repent. the word repent. You don't have to worry about writing down the Greek word. But the word repent, I learned Greek and Hebrew in seminary. The Greek word for repentance is montanoia. It's a military word, and it means an about face. It means to turn from something to something. You turn from the, 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 the lifestyle away from Christ to the lifestyle of Christ. So repentance is a military word. It means an about face. You turn from something to something. That's the second R. The third R is this. Well, let me say something else about the uh, repentance. John the Baptist who baptized Jesus. And he said, when he was talking to those religious leaders, he said something very interesting that I never forgot. When he was talking to the religious leaders, he said to them, Repent, you generations of vipers, who have warned you to Flee from the damnation to come. And then he used another phrase that was powerful. He says, bring forth the fruit of repentance. Now, when I read that in the Bible, I said, that's amazing. Bring forth the fruit of repentance. What does that mean? It means that when you say that you repented, you got to bear fruit. And Jesus said, some trees bear bad fruit and other trees bring good fruit. So when you repent, you got to show evidence that you, there is a change. So repentance means that there is a change of heart, a change of mind, and notice this, buckle up, there's a change of thought. Check that out now. Let me say that again. Repentance involves a change of what? Heart. heart, heart. What's the second one? Mind. Change of mind and a change of what? Thought. thought. Stinking thinking. You change the stinking thinking, and you start to think about Christ. See, mm-hmm. and then the so John the Bible said, "Bring forth the fruit of repentance." That means there got to be evidence of a changed life. And then the then the third R is receive. Mm-hmm. The third R is receive that you receive Jesus. As your Lord, as your Savior and Lord. What does Savior mean? He saves you from your sin. What does Lord mean? Lord means that you become loyal to Him. You become faithful to Him. You become faithful to Him with everything. Because everything belongs to Him. You know. And uh, I had... God really got to me one time when I was, when I was like, uh, what was I, was about 19. And uh, I really thought that, and this is the problem with most young people, why they don't have a heart, a lot of them don't have a heart for God. They think that this curse of a lot of young people, they think that they're immortal. So immortal means that you're going to live forever, and I'm young, I can do my thing, and then I will die when I get older. But you go to the graveyard, there are more short graves than long ones. And so, and so my, uh, I, 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 I was in this uh, zone where I was thinking, man, I'm a young man, I'm going to live forever. And then when my friend Tank died of an overdose of heroin, and they laid him on, he and I were like that. We hung out together, we, we partied together, we uh, cooked together, we did so many things together. And they, he ended up going out with Willie Burton. I started changing my life. I got into sports, and I gave my life to Jesus, and I started changing. And then the last time I saw him, uh, I walked him to the railroad tracks. He had knocked out both of his front teeth, and uh, he was – I didn't know that that would be my last time seeing him. He waved at me. I waved at him. And then uh, – about a week later, two weeks later, they said he went out with Willie Burton, which is the big time heroin addict. And they said they laid him on the front steps of his the porch of his house, didn't even knock on the door to let his mother know he was out there for several hours. I got like the obituary of him. And uh, when I heard about that, that devastated me. And when I went to the when I went to the funeral I dropped down on my knees at the casket and I was crying out to God because God knocked out of me immortality and knocked into me mortality. I realized that I was mortal. And then I heard a little voice speak to me and say, Jerry, if you don't change, you're gonna die just like Tank. Boom, 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 boom. I changed immediately. I got up, and also a little voice spoke to me and said, If you don't, if you don't change, you're gonna be just like tank in that grave. And rise up, I'm calling you to preach. And do you not know? Can I get a we had your hand on that? I've been preaching every second. Amen. Amen. but it took a wake-up call like that. Everybody goes through a rock bottom. And oh, yeah. this is interesting. Listen to this. Sometimes God allows you to hit rock bottom so you realize that he is at the bottom. And what he does, he brings you from the bottom to the top. To so the top. God, sometimes God allows you to hit rock bottom so you'll realize that He is the one at the bottom with you, that He brings you from the bottom to the top. Yes. And and I got to thinking about Romans six twenty three, the wages of sin. Roman wrote, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life of Jesus Christ. And I said, I don't want to go that way, like Tank. And God raised me up. I've been preaching ever since. Because you know what happened. There is something about experiencing death right in the face. Like, like, like looking at him in the casket, death came at me in, right in the face. Death looked at me in the face. Just like the man on the cross. I've been doing a series on the radio where it's, there were three responses on the cross, and and there was a man on the left side of Christ, Christ in the middle, and a man on the right, and they they, they all all three of them were facing death, but Jesus was God, the God Man, the first man, the was what we call the un unre- they, they sound alike. The first man was the unregenerate man the unredeemed man. The second man on the right side was the regenerate man and the redeemed man. And then the one that was in the middle was the redeemer. You got that now? Buckle up. I told you you are going to go on a spiritual ride. So the first man on the cross that rejected Christ in the face of death was the unregenerate, unredeemed man. Notice there was three on the cross. And then the one on the right side, they were wretched thieves. They were sinners. On the right side was the regenerate, redeemed man. And then in the middle was the redeemer, Jesus. Mm. And both men were mocking Jesus. But the one on the right said, there's something about this man. And he repented on the cross. And he said, he cried out, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Jesus Amen. said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. That man, in the face of death, accepted Jesus. But the one, the, the one on the left, in the face of death, he rejected Jesus. Don't you know there's people like that today? They can be on their deathbed and still reject Jesus. They are, we're dealing with death every day. We don't know when it's going to take us. Brother Manning, who's come to our church, he called on the radio last night. I'm on the radio every Saturday. People all over the Bay Area call me. And he said, Dr. Buckner, I was driving, and, and the light, uh, a man came through on a red light and and hit me on the side of my car, devastated the car, but I still lived. I said, it wasn't your time yet. We never know when you're going to go to the doctor. Hello? And the doctor says, you got a terminal disease that is incurable. (laughs) Death is in your face. You're driving your car, you're walking down the street, and somebody... Uh, that's uh, as drunk as a skunk just comes right into you and run you over you never know when death will take you can I get an amen, amen. amen. you gotta be ready you gotta not only have insurance but you gotta have assurance amen. hallelujah amen. that's important you gotta have insurance but assurance that's right. and The devil is in the business of attacking to distract. That was the title of when y'all weren't here that Sunday, the last Sunday we were here. I said, The devil's in the business of attacking to distract. He knew that if you came, you would be blessed. So what did he do? He starts to work and he starts to operate and he hates that you're here today. So what he's going to do during the week, he's going to be working. You're going to try to throw everything at you, but you got to be strong. Can I get an amen? amen. You've got to be strong and say, Jesus is number one. Anything after that? Okay, let's get it on. But no, I'm going to get it on with Jesus, number one. He's the number one priority because I know without him, I can't maintain and I can't sustain because he's my everything. I've got, got to prioritize. I've got to put him number one. In everything I do, so the devil is in the business of attacking, attack to distract. And when you make, when you go to the mountaintop, which well, this is a mountaintop experience, the devil is ready to take you down in the valley. Don't 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 forget that. Let me give an example. Jesus went and was baptized by G, by John the Baptist. Jesus was baptized by uh, John the Baptist. In John and in Matthew chapter 3. And in Matthew chapter 4, immediately it says in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1, the devil comes at Jesus and immediately Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted and tested by the devil. You say, why is there a purpose in the, 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 the tempter, the tester? Why did God have to put... A tree of knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden. I'm going to tell you why. You want to know why? You know why you're tested? This is why you're tested. You're tested because God wants to see if you're going to be ready to go to heaven. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Because if you, can't, if you can't win the test here, listen to me carefully now. Buckle up with Jesus. If you can't win the test here, you can't win the test in the next life. So what God does right now, he, puts, he allows these tests. Can I get a witness? He allows the test on the job to see if you're going to lose your temper. Amen? he allows a test on the job to see if you're going to throw in the towel can I get an amen? amen he allows the test on the job to see how well and how deep you're going to be walking with Jesus and going to be Christ like he allows the test on the job to see if you got the mindset of putting on your full armor and realizing who the real enemy is so he puts you through test.
1: Amen.
2: so amen. that you can have another T testimony he puts you through a test and trials to, to get you to the point of another T, triumph. So, so, so test in life is to, check this out now. Test in life comes from God. You are tested on the job to see if you're going to get there on time. If you don't get to the job on time, check me out now. Uh, I'm giving you some real wisdom and knowledge. If you do not get to the job on time and you're not faithful and you're not loyal, they're going to suspend you or they're going to fire you. Can I get an amen? amen? Amen. You ever been through any of that before? Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, you're, you're late to the job and you're just allowing the devil to just mess with you, throw you off, get you all into this mentality and everything like that and then all of a sudden you drag into the job late and then they look at your time and everything like that and then you start to get the man to mess with you. You need to keep the man from messing with you. But you know how you keep the man from messing with you on the job? It's being faithful. Can I get an amen? You stop the man from messing with you by being loyal. You stop the man from messing with you by being committed. And the same thing is true with the devil. Can I get an Amen. So God, what God does is, oh, this is good preaching. This is good teaching. What God does, he takes you through and he allows you to go through trials, temptations, uh, to see how faithful, how loyal, how committed you're going to be.
0: Dr. Jerry Buckner, Senior Pastor of Tiburon Christian
1: Fellowship. This has been the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. To nominate your congregation for Church of the Week, please email us the name and address of your pastor and church along with a link to your church's website to churchoftheweek@salemsf.com. Again, that's the name and address of your pastor and church along with a link to the website and email to churchoftheweek at salemsf.com. While all submissions will be considered, not every submission is guaranteed airtime. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure to tune in again next week at this time for the Church of the Week